There is a ton of distrust out there in the Canadian population of the Canada Pension Plan. And you might wonder why have so many people lost faith in the system that we have in place to help us when we get to our retirement years. I have a thesis on this which I'm gonna share with you, but before I go there, on a global scale, actually Canada comes in with pretty high marks when we're compared to a lot of the other pension plans around the world. This fact is lost on a lot of people and I think this really can contribute to their, their misunderstanding or their mistrust and I will talk more about that uh, in just a few minutes here. But my thesis out of the gate is this, the huge cause of distrust that so many of our fellow Canadians have is simply in the struggle to understand the design of the Canada Pension Plan, to understand the purpose that it serves in the first place. There are, without a doubt, very complex rules. There's a ton of regulations. I feel that with this complexity, people can get kind of get overwhelmed as they're trying to navigate their way through the system itself. That then leads, of course, to frustration and worse yet, of course, to mistrust. If the system were easier to understand, if it was easier to navigate um, what our benefits are, how we can apply, how can we receive the money that we're entitled to, and understand what we're supposed to receive, it would really help a lot, I think, for those people who have lost faith in the system as a whole. In its simplest form, the Canada Pension Plan isn't really that hard. Like the structure of it is pretty easy to understand. There's three main components to it. There's the retirement benefits, there are disability benefits for those who need them, and then there also are survivor benefits. Those are the three main components of the plan. In its 2022 annual report, CPP Investments says it has a critical mission to help support a strong foundation for Canadians' financial security in retirement. They go on to say the CPP is designed to provide a stable source of retirement income to Canadians today and over multiple generations. This is where I think we sort of get into this debatable realm here where I agree that the stable source of income is provided for when we look at the actual numbers which we'll look at here in just a moment. I, I do agree with that. But stable, of course, doesn't mean a whole bunch of money. And um, the debatable part, in my opinion, is whether it, in fact, creates a strong foundation. That means different things to different people. Uh, but again, we'll look at some, some things in just a few moments there. The program itself sounds straightforward. We've got those three components we just looked at here. But when we drill down this simple plan very quickly becomes quite complex. And as I think I mentioned, this complexity then will lead to frustration. And that eventually leads to the plan or the perception that the plan is unfair. And we're hearing a bunch of that, a whole bunch of that out there in the general population. The real kicker to me is that this belief harms not only the program, but more importantly, it harms the retirees who are, you know, A, taking part in the program. But big part of this is that if people don't understand how the program works and don't have the tools necessary to prepare themselves properly, they're going to arrive at their own retirement without having prepared and will suffer you know, as a result of that. When we look at some of these complications, one of the reasons, as I mentioned, there's lots of rules, there's lots of regulations, there's lots of exceptions. A few of those things are well, like the following. If we look at things like age, we look at income, we look at the employment status, these are all examples of factors that will determine how much you'll receive when it comes to your turn to start collecting um, investments. If you don't understand these earlier in your life, that can have huge and lasting impacts when you um, do come, when your time comes to retire. There are additional features, things like if you have children and you've taken time out of the workplace to uh, raise your children, try and figure that out. I mean, there's a complicated uh, factor in how you figure out how that impacts your, your um, pension ultimately. There are things like uh, survivor's pensions. Again, these are 
you know, just a couple of examples that lead to confusion. And once you start factoring these in, it really becomes complicated quite quickly. Um, sadly, there is a clear perception that the program is unfair. And things, examples of this, people will say things like certain groups of the population are favored, whether it's high income people are favored or low income people get more than they should. Uh, a classic is new arrivals that are arriving, uh, you know, arriving into Canada, they're better off than people who worked for 40 years. Uh, you know, you, you can do the research on that, but it, it, again, it just sort of it goes further to eroding the public trust. I was thinking of a suggestion for the Service Canada to go out and, ed and educate the, the public as a whole. And I think this would really have a lot of impact. Imagine an ad campaign where you have a scenario where an average Canadian comes in to the Service Canada offer um, office and they're there to apply for their Canada pension plan. And the person does the paperwork with them and says, okay, Mr. Jones, starting next month, you will be receiving your Canada pension plan $717.15 a month. And I use that number because that is the average amount of CPP that people receive in Canada today. I think that would shock a whole large segment of our population who would then take a closer look and be more proactive um, in preparing for retirement because most people don't really grasp that when you retire, the average Canadian, the average benefit is gonna be that $717 a month. If you are concerned, and rightly so, about uh, the, the, the prospects of retiring uh, and relying on your CPP, check out this video here, which goes into a lot more detail um, on that concept. It's a place that you don't really wanna go. So I wanna move now to sort of some facts and some fiction that causes all of this distrust. And I wanna look at some of the most common examples out there today. So the first thing I wanna look at is the solvency of the plan. And there is a perception widely shared that the fund won't be around when it's my turn to, to collect. So let's say you're 20 now or 30 or even 40 you will hear a lot of people say, the money's not gonna be there anyway, so why am I putting money into the plan right now? If we look at a report that comes out from the chief actuary of the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, this is a report that is um, prepared every three years. It's the 31st actual report. The report speaks of its purpose, and it says, an important purpose of this report is to inform contributors and beneficiaries of the current and projected financial states of the base and additional CPP, and it goes on to say, the report presents projections of its revenues and expenditures for both of its components, the base and the additional CPP over a long period of time. One of the major objectives of the CPPIB, the investment board, is actually to ensure that the funding for the program will be maintained and they project 75 plus years out. Um, if the actuary you know, does up their, their, their work up here and they determine that the program is in jeopardy, that they won't be able to fulfill those needs, they make alterations to the program. And we've seen that over the years where things like the premiums go up, et cetera. There's you know, a number of years ago, a major change to the structure of the plan where not only were contributions used, but also the, the investment board was created in the first place to manage the money and generate additional revenue that way. So we don't know. Not many of us watching this video will be here in 75 years from now. Hopefully maybe a few of you younger people will be. Another area I wanted to talk about here, another concept is this concept that the government misuses the funds and you will hear a lot of people talk about how they just you know they'll do other things with the fund other than what it's intended now a quick fact check here the plan is um, covered by legislation and hopefully a few things here we'll talk about will give you some comfort that the cpp investments will be around if we look at the 2022 um, annual report a few things the cpp investments is governed by an act of parliament the canada pension plan investment board act that is a legislative piece that makes sure that you know, there are rules that have to be followed. 
All fund assets are owned by CPP Investments and are entirely separate from the assets of any government. Unlike old age security, CPP benefits do not come from general tax revenues. The money required to pay CPP benefits comes from only two sources, contributions from individual contributors and their employers, based on employment earnings up to the maximum amount covered by the CPP, and investment returns. And then finally, the report states, most importantly, unlike taxes that go into the federal government's consolidated revenue fund, CPP contributions and net assets of the fund may only be applied to meet the obligations of the CPP. Now, I get it. I know there are some of you watching this that say that's hogwash. It's not really um, the way it's actually managed. The government's going to do whatever they want. The purpose, the, the reason I'm even putting this video, video together is to um, educate, to sort of hopefully clear up some facts, and hopefully that sort of contributes to that for those of you who uh, you know want to look at this legislation. I don't expect you to go and read the acts, um, but here's a here's a venue that you can learn some of these facts. I want to move on to uh, this concept that we have one of the worst plans out there. It's better to retire somewhere else. Um, because you know Canada is mismanaging everything and we're all in deep trouble. Certainly plans that we have in place aren't perfect but as I said earlier when we compare them to other countries around the globe we actually get fairly decent marks and I want to look just briefly here at a uh, 2022 global pension index report by Mercer CFA Institute. It compares 44 different countries and looks at three main components the adequacy, the sustainability, and the integrity of each of these aspects of a pension plan. When it looks at adequacy, it notes that the primary objective of any pension system is to provide adequate retirement income. Clearly that's something that's really important is that we have adequate funding when we retire. From a sustainability perspective, the report says, particularly in light of the aging population, we have to look at this. It notes that the World Bank has noted that most public pension plan schemes are not viable financially and cannot keep their promises to the younger cohorts that will retire in the future. And an important feature of sustainability is the level of funding in advance, which is particularly important when the ratio of workers to retirees is declining. I mean, clearly these are issues that we're dealing with here in Canada. Um, of note, we'll see how we compare there. Finally, under the category of integrity, it's critical that the community has confidence. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. The whole purpose of this video here today is to address the confidence that we have in our system. The result at the end of the day, once once all the numbers are crunched, is Canada comes in with a B. And what that means, they state here, a system that has a sound structure with many good features, but has some areas for improvement that differentiates it from an A-grade system. Other countries like Iceland, Netherlands, Denmark, come out at you know plus 80 on the index value, and they have a, a far more robust retirement system. Under the B+, slightly above where we came in, we look at countries like Israel, Finland, Australia, Norway, we come in at B. So in that sort of, you know, not middle, but a little bit higher than middle uh, of the category, according to this report, beneath us comes, you know, places like Hong Kong, US, uh, France, I mean, parts of South America, parts of Europe as well, parts of, of uh, Asia. In the C category, you can see the countries there that fall at a level, a rating below what we have. And then down at the bottom, there are six countries there in particular that seem to be struggling when it comes to uh, this concept of having a sound system. When we look deeper here and look specifically at Canada, we can see on the overall index, we came in ranked at 13 out of the 44 countries. The adequacy component, we ranked 18th of, out of the 44. From a sustainability, we ranked an 11. And from an integrity standpoint, 
we ranked in at 20. So that kind of gives you the, the, the sort of the experts a view on how our plan compares to our peers out there. If I conclude this section here, we look that in the big scheme of things, Canada is in the game when compared to his peers and the CPP generally is well run in a secure uh, program. I want to sort of address the last thing out here in this video today, which is the bad returns. And a lot of people will argue that if you gave me the money rather than put it into the CPP, um, I'll do better and it'll you know, come out much further ahead. And um, there is some truth to that for certain segment of our population. Uh, and I'm actually preparing a video for the future that will address specifically that concept. But for the purposes of what we're doing here today, let's look through the actual numbers of this massive fund and see how it is compared. As of March 1st, 2022, which is the most recent report I have available, the net assets of the fund were $539 billion. We can see here that the 10-year compound return is 10.8% net of any uh, costs, the five-year return a flat 10% and 6.8% for the one-year period just leading up to this here. Really importantly, I look at the 34 billion number here over the one year or $329 billion over the 10 years. This is annual income that comes into the portfolio and the, the relevance and significance of this is that that replaces income that we would, or sorry, that replaces contributions that we would otherwise have to make to keep the plan at its sustainability that it is right now. So that revenue is really uh, important from an overall longevity uh, pro prospect um, of the plan. If we have a quick look here at how the fund is invested, if we look at it from a, an asset class com composition, we can see it's spread between you know, infrastructure, real estate, credit, public equities, private equities, and their fixed income component there. Uh, from a geographical composition, we can see that the fund does invest around the world. Interestingly, a lot of people would probably think that the fund invests mostly here in Canada, but of course, you know, if you're if you're managing an equity portfolio, there are lots of opportunities uh, elsewhere uh, outside of Canada. So we see that reflected here. And from a raw dollar angle, this gives us sort of a snapshot here how much money is invested uh, around the world. I hope that this video covers a lot of reasons for mistrust. Now, um, there is another video that I encourage you to watch if you haven't already done so right here. And this goes into the overall pension scheme we have here with uh, CPP, old age security, and GIS in a lot more detail. Thank you for watching this video. I'll see you in the next video.